Ann Ozug, and you are listening to The Road to Carnivore, Episode 8. In this episode, we are going to talk about why we need to let go of the idea that eating less and exercising more is a long-term solution for health problems and weight loss. This seems to me to be one of those concepts that people really hang on to, almost subconsciously, because it's so ingrained. People in general do not want to let go of this idea, despite the fact that in recent years, there has been a mountain of both anecdotal evidence and hundreds of clinical trials that show how low-carb ways of eating drastically improve health markers, put health conditions and disease into remission, and make people lose weight. Even people I know who I've talked to about carbs and insulin and some of the concepts I share in this podcast, I still hear again and again things like, not eating carbs is too extreme. I just need to get my portions under control. I need to be more disciplined about getting my workout in every day. I need to get back to counting calories again. But this doesn't work long-term for most people, and there are legitimate reasons for this. Despite the fat-shaming undertones in our culture, the reason these strategies don't work long-term is not because people are lazy or don't put in the effort, but rather because these strategies are actually a hopeless solution for most people from a biological perspective. For many people, the body can already be so insulin-resistant, metabolically deranged, and damaged in ways where conventional nutritional advice is almost insulting as a solution for getting to a good place of weight management and health. When people push the same old conventional nutritional advice like just eat everything in moderation, man, does it work me up. That only works for people whose bodies can consume carbs and remain thin, and that does not apply to most people. If it did, we would not be in the state we're in now, where the majority of people are obese. According to the CDC, 74% of adults in the U.S. are obese or overweight. Is it really possible that three-quarters of Americans just lack discipline or the motivation to try to eat in moderation or exercise more? I mean, come on. We know that the conventional advice from authorities does not work. To tell people again and again that things like calories in and calories out and moderation are the answer when it's literally biologically not the answer for many people and then shaming them when they don't succeed, to me, is just cruel. I struggled with my weight for my whole life before carnivore, and anyone who knows me in real life knows that I'm an unusually disciplined, self-motivated type A person, and I meticulously followed endless iterations of this conventional advice to no end. There are many people who truly eat less than 1,200 calories a day and are still obese. All of the variations of calories in, calories out, exercise more, moderation of carbs, the logic is that because this seems to work for some people, it should work for everybody, but it doesn't. The only solution that I have found for all of my health problems and weight control issues has been to eliminate carbs from my way of eating. And the truth is that for many people, this will be the only way as well. There's a good chance that you didn't want to hear that. A lot of people are not on board with the idea of eating no or low carb. They can't imagine life without bread or potato chips or donuts. And ultimately, that is everyone's personal decision to make. But if you are someone who has not been able to get to a healthy weight and good state of health with these conventional eat less, exercise more strategies long term, here's where you have to face up to the hard truth that your insulin threshold is likely so low that the only way you will get to a place of good health and a healthy weight is with a no-carb or very low-carb way of eating. I want to come in and say right away, you don't have to do that. You don't have to limit carbs. You can choose to eat anything you want for the rest of your life. 
But if you are not a person who can eat a moderate amount of carbs and stay relatively lean, then there has to be a coming to terms with the fact that this option of eating carbs and not being overweight is not available to you. My husband will tell you that I have thrown many tantrums about this. Like, why can't I eat these delicious things without consequences? But it's actually irrelevant because that's just not how it is. I had so much grief over this realization. Every one of us knows someone who can eat a ton of food and maintain a slender body. My husband is one of these people. When I was going over this episode with him, he reminded me of a time when we were in college when he ate 18 donuts in one day as a joke. And it didn't move the scale at all. And back in those days, he would chug quarts of chocolate milk and eat many carby, sugary things and stay lean. It made me crazy. I remember being very jealous of this. It felt so unfair. But what I want to point out here is that some people can eat whatever they want and remain thin, but that doesn't mean they are healthy. We talked about this in the last episode, that a lot of thin people are actually metabolically deranged from excessive consumption of sugar and processed carbs. The reason I mention this is because I've noticed with so many people who I've talked to and worked with one-on-one that this feeling of unfairness can be really upsetting. I really struggled with this why not me feeling, and I had to sit down and work that through in my brain. I'm working on an episode about this sense of unfairness and the grief and mourning process of letting go of the harmful foods that we are emotionally attached to. And a big part of it is realizing that sure, maybe these people are thin, but the evidence and studies seem to show that they are probably not healthy. And the other thing is that a lot of these people eventually do become overweight later on in life. In our society, we commonly refer to this as getting old and the metabolism slowing down. But I think it's more that you become insulin resistant from excessive carbohydrate consumption. Carb tolerance varies tremendously from person to person. But from everything I've learned about insulin and discussions I've had with experts working in the field of diabetes, it seems to me that every time you eat standard portions of modern carbs, you are paving the road to insulin resistance and consequently becoming overweight. I talked a little bit about this in the last episode, but type 2 diabetes happens when the beta cells in the pancreas become worn out. The beta cells aren't gone, they're just exhausted, and people hit the point where they have to begin injecting themselves with insulin. And it is known and a given that when diabetics begin this insulin treatment, they will gain weight. I read a great book recently called The Case for Keto by Gary Tobbs. Many of the sentiments I share in this episode are ones he shares in his book as well. And I want to read a section where he talks about when we first discovered that insulin makes you store fat. He says, Prior to the discovery of insulin in 1921, patients with what we now call type 1 diabetes, the acute form of the disease that typically appears in childhood, would die emaciated and famished no matter how much food they consumed. But administering insulin to these young patients would bring them back from the brink of death and have them looking healthy again within weeks. It was life-saving. It also appeared quite obviously to be fattening, albeit in a good way. He also goes on to say, Insulin therapy was also used in the 1920s to fatten up underweight and emaciated patients, those who today we would say suffer from anorexia. He also shares a statement from the Journal of the American Medical Association from a group of researchers from the University of Wisconsin. It says, It could be stated categorically, they wrote in 1963, that obesity was impossible without adequate levels of insulin and that storing excess fat cannot take place without some insulin around to make it happen. And, critically, without the body taking in carbohydrates, glucose, to stimulate that insulin secretion. 
Basically, what this is saying is that you cannot get obese without insulin and carbs. And this is what Dr. Robert Saiwez, who I talked about in episode five on food addiction, says all the time, that you can't get obese from eating food. He doesn't consider carbs to be food. He refers to them as drugs. Part of my journey in really embracing carnivore has been coming to terms with the fact that in order to have a healthy body weight, a good state of metabolic health, and to put my health problems into remission, I generally can't eat carbs. And to keep it that way, I have to continue to not eat carbs. I so often hear people say in an upset way, I did a low-carb diet and it worked great, but I gained the weight back once I started eating carbs again. I have so much compassion and understanding for this upset feeling. I have been there. But also, why do we have this expectation that we should be able to eat carbs without getting fat and unhealthy? Not eating carbs is how you prevent insulin from being released into your body. Carbs trigger the release of insulin, and insulin facilitates the accumulation of fat. Of course you gain weight when you begin eating carbs again. There's no getting around this. So I really had to sit with this and make my choice that I could keep eating whatever carbs I wanted and be overweight and have numerous health problems, or I could have incredible health by eating only fat and protein. These were both completely free choices for me to make, but I had to look full picture at what these choices are. This is what I talked about in episode five, where I said I consciously choose what I eat from a place of freedom while truly understanding what the consequences are for the foods I eat. If I come across some cookies, do I find them tempting from time to time? Yeah, absolutely. But when I think about it for a second, I remember that I like health more than cookies. And I have figured out from years of trial and error that I can't have it both ways. Some people can. We all know these people. Maybe you're one of these people. Maybe you can have some carbs here and there and it's no problem. But it's just not true for some people because the insulin threshold is so low. The smallest amount of carbs puts me over my insulin threshold and I gain weight. There was a very popular Kate Moss quote years ago when she said, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And I always mocked that statement. I was like, okay, you clearly haven't had my peanut butter pie because that definitely tastes better than skinny feels. But a mantra that has come to me that I think of often when I'm faced with temptation of something carby that looks appealing, but I don't really want to be eating is that nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. And the thing that is unfortunate is a lot of people don't actually know what healthy feels like. But my goodness, life is truly so much better without carbs. Transitioning from a standard American diet can have a lot of challenges that have to be overcome, but it is so worth it in the long run. This is something that pretty much everyone says across the board when changing over to a low-carb way of eating. People feel better eating less carbs. Some of us just have to get over the emotional hurdles because carbs are the foods that many of us use for entertainment, stress relief, emotional management, and more. And you know from my story that I did all of that big time. If you find the thought of eliminating carbs totally daunting, you may not know it yet, but I know you can absolutely get to a place where you actively choose not to eat them. This is the work I do. I want to support you in this. If I can get there, someone whose life was completely about food, you can too. You can get to a place where you don't care and don't actually want cake anymore. My tastes have changed so much, and my husband has said the same thing. The carbs don't even look like food to me anymore. I've had bites here and there of things like corn on the cob or a nibble of bread, and it's been almost a profound experience how much it doesn't taste like food to me anymore. I've really come to prefer and crave fat and meat. 
And what we're going to learn in a future episode is that eating carbs actually makes you hungry for more carbs from a biological perspective and your brain. But fortunately, the same is true when you become fat adapted, except you switch to craving and preferring fat in real foods. What I really want to drive home in this episode is that the common criticism I hear about carnivore or low-carb ways of eating, that eliminating carbs is too drastic or extreme or unreasonable, implies that there's some sort of middle ground or other option. But for a lot of people, this middle option doesn't exist. Some people say low-carb is a fad diet. But as I keep saying again and again in the series, this is how humans ate for much of our history. We've only been eating the way we do now with tons of processed foods and huge amounts of sugar and carbs for the last 50-ish years. Low-carb is only extreme or drastic in the context of this extremely recent time frame. Modern nutritional advice that we watch portion sizes does not work for most people. What does work for many people's health and weight long-term is eliminating carbs vastly or entirely. Some people will need to eliminate carbs to be healthy. I am one of those people. And what I love about carnivore, especially as someone who has counted calories and macros for years, is that I can eat whatever carnivore foods I want, whenever I want, without hunger, and I don't have to think about anything else. Maybe you've listened to this podcast up to this point and have thought this sounds interesting, but you've been a little bit resistant because it's so radical. And you know what? Compared to what most people are doing, it is. But in light of the fact that a standard American diet gives us a population where 74% are overweight or obese, 88% are metabolically unhealthy, 54% are diabetic or pre-diabetic, and there is a tremendous amount of chronic disease, I don't know how anyone can keep insisting or believing that we just need to eat less and exercise more. I feel like I say this every episode, but I am truly grateful to have the privilege to eat as a carnivore and to have the health that I get from this way of eating. And you have the choice to eat this way and begin experimenting too. Carnivore is an incredible way of eating, and we are going to keep coming at this assertion from so many more angles in this series. Continue on to the next episode. I am going to share what I eat in a typical day of carnivore so you can get a better idea of how this looks day to day. I'll see you there. Thanks for listening to The Road to Carnivore. If you found this podcast to be thought-provoking or valuable, please share it with someone who might be interested to hear this information. Maybe someone who hasn't been able to figure out their health problems or might want to hear a different side of the story when it comes to food. I'll see you next time.